Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The following is rated MA. Some people may find it offensive. It contains language, adult themes and immature content, as well as fart jokes. There will be lots of fart jokes. Listener discretion is advised. You've been warned. Hello legends, another week, another weekly watch. Welcome you above average, well hung lot with your trunks swinging down by your knees. Great to have your ears for the next half hour or so. Got a belter of a potty this week. Eight superstars, past and present, have joined me for you. It's a podcast and style you won't hear anywhere else, and the access to the biggest names in the game is unparalleled. Why listen to opinion when you can listen to interviews and we've got some gems? Our producers this week are the Zarzoff brothers. Oh, great, great men, Bluey and Rudy. Love these guys, Bluey's ass off and Rudy's ass off. And they've come in swinging with some help from Moses Embai, Anthony Minicello, Jamin Lowe, Paul Momorowski, Billy Walters, Chris Walker, Kate Ellis and Robbie Farah. It's time to rip in. Having your dad as your boss, I get it. My first full-time job was Channel 7 Sport in Sydney in 1990. My dad was my boss. I was the coffee maker, the lunch getter, the printing guy, the overnight roster guy, did as I was told. Really cool having your dad as a boss, but also some awkward moments from time to time as well. Billy Walters has lobbed on the weekly watch. Dad's your coach next year, mate. What's the good part about that going to be? Um, I think learning off him, you know, he was such a great player and, and um, to be able to firsthand learn learn off him now, he's obviously helped me whenever he can growing up, but um, he doesn't ever want to step on the toes of, of the coach that I currently have. So, um, you know, he'll tip in here and there, but it's, it's going to be good to finally get a crack at um, him taking me like one-on-one, I guess, and, and really trying to impose some of the knowledge that he has. What do you reckon is going to be the hardest part? Uh, probably uh, when I have a bad game here or there. I mean, it, it always happens and... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it the first time, whether he rips into me like he would to everyone else or, or what he's going to do. So I hope he treats me normal. I'm pretty sure he will. But, yeah, um, yeah hopefully I just never play a bad game. We never have to cross that bridge. Exactly right, mate. There's also the fact that fathers do treat sons like anyone else. In fact, they probably go the other way and treat the son harder because they've got both coaching and, you know, uh, paternal expectations. Yeah, for sure. It was it was probably one of the things we spoke about when when we started discussing um, coming back to Brisbane was that I I was going to have to work probably twice as hard as yeah. as the person next to me because it's not just that it's it's the whole playing group, the whole fan base, the whole club. Really, you know, I've got to prove to them that it's not just a father looking out for his son. Mm. It's um it's it's me wanting to be the best player I can and help the Broncos get back to where they were. Looking forward to it, mate. Not only to the Broncos, but back home to Brisbane because you're a Brisbane boy. Yeah, for sure. You know, I grew up loving loving um, 
loving the Broncos. So it was always a dream of mine to play there. And, and um, to be honest, about a year ago, uh, I, I thought that opportunity would never come. And, mm. and with what's happened, you know, it's a one year is a, a long time in rugby league. I, I've got the opportunity to come back and, um, you know, I've got a little little baby boy on the way. So um, it's going to be good to, to have him at home and around all the family. So, um, yeah, I really can't wait. He is genuinely a pretty relaxed fella, Dad. But what about when we see pictures of him during the game in the coach's box and it looks like he's about to break into tears? Yeah, he's, he's a very emotional guy, Dad. I think I get a little bit of that from him as well. But, um, you know, it's just the passion that he has. Yeah. So uh, he, he just really wants the Broncos to, to get back to where they were. And, um, you know, sometimes I think he gets emotions get to him and, and he can look like he's about to pull his own hair out or whatever. But yeah. it's just because he, he just really wants the Broncos to succeed and he's working really hard to try and get them back to where they were. And I'm sure... Um, they will be in, in, in a very short time. Good luck with a massive off-season, mate, and 2022. It's always a pleasure chatting. Thank you, mate. Can't wait. Okay, in the big chair, the great Chris Walker. Word association time. First thing that comes to mind, mate, fastest player. Hello, Carr. Biggest player. Dave Taylor. Hardest to tackle. Mark Gaznia. Fiercest rival. Jamie Lyon. Best rig. Anthony Minicello, Sonny Bill Williams. Yeah, bingo. There is a double. Most annoying. Brett Finch. No, actually, I won't say that. Oh, most annoying. Yeah, go Finchy. No, I can't go Finchy. Finchy's probably the best one. Uh, Most annoying. Mick Crocker. Drinking buddy. Brett Finch. Late night phone calls. Brett Finch. Best trainer. Let me guess, not Brett Finch. No, no, yeah. You know, surprisingly enough, Finchy was an animal. Wow. Yeah, he, he, Andy, he was, he, like there's me, Croc, Mini, Finchy, we used to, um, Craig Fitzgibbon, Craig Wing, we used to lead all the fitness. Worst dancer. <sighs> Todd Payton. Shit playlist. Me. Coaches blow up. Craig Bellamy. Never his shout. Chris Walker. Worst punter. Chris Walker. Always late. Chris Walker. <laughs> Snipping you for 50 bucks. Oh, shit. Um, nah, can't think. Who doesn't reply to texts? Brad Finch. Who's got your back when you need it most? Oh, there's a long list. I'd, I'd probably say Mick Crocker. Yeah, Mick. Thanks for dropping in, Big Nuts. Thanks, Big Balls. If you're enjoying Andy Raymond Unfiltered, we'd love for you to go to Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening and subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating and review. And if being polite doesn't work, maybe bribery will. One lucky reviewer wins an unfiltered trucker's hat every week. It's that easy to win. The winner of this week's Unfiltered Series 1 trucker's cap is Brooke Mee. He wrote, these Andy Raymond unfiltered podcasts are streets ahead of any other podcast I've listened to. My trips home have been a constant source of these podcasts for almost a year. When you hear a story that you can relate to, the story of Kevin Campion's marriage breakup, you become hooked. These stories are genuine. The people are letting their guard down to tell their stories. Highly recommended to all. That's a beauty of you. Love it. You in the cap this week, Brook Me. Get in touch, great man. 
If you'd like to win one of the caps, simply leave a review on the app you're currently listening on and you could be the winner next week. Make the review stand out. Make us laugh. Tell us what uh, your favourite cloud is or what your shoe size is. Or if you want to just bag a mate who never wins on the punt, do that. Be sure to go five stars, though, with it. A cap every week is one. The one game a player never forgets is his NRL debut. Sunday, April 15, 2018. Penrith Park, the Panthers versus the Titans. Our guest made his debut. Kate Ellis, what stands out from the game? Um, yeah, I still remember the day of very... Like, know exactly what happened that day. Um, obviously, it's something you work hard for from a young age. And, you know, I remember the stinking hot day, sitting there, didn't know what I was going to get on um, against Gold Coast and whatnot. And um, ended up getting the nod and got out there. I remember I was out there running around mad like a headless troop, just trying to tackle everything and run, run as much as I could. Um, but the one thing stands out, I remember I got... Um, 10 in the bin very early. So as soon as I got out, I was out there for about five minutes and um, I think it was Chris Sutton giving me the giving me the 10 fingers to the to the shed. So, um, you know, it was at the time it was pretty shitty because, you know, I don't really, to this day, I don't know what I've done. Um, first game, just wanted to rip in and, you know, they got sent over 10. So Goal. it ended up being pretty funny. Like it was a memorable day. Like, you know, a lot of people remember me for that. So... What were you thinking when you looked up at the referee and Sato's gone 10? Are you just thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life? Yeah, I was filthy. I was, you know, I was thinking, you know, you know what, what, what have I done, blah, blah, blah. But I think from what I've ended up finding out, I think there's a build-up of penalties and I just happened to be the next one. And, um, yeah, I was a bit gobsmacked and, you know, I was a bit off him because I was like, fuck, what for? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, debut, let me go a bit of slack or something, but um, no, he didn't, he didn't have a care in the world. He just fingered straight up and yeah, off I went. I remember getting clapped off and cheered. And I'll be honest, it's not too bad. This is all right. But <laughs> not, not like I was, you know, flogging someone or anything like that. It was just, I don't even think, I don't think anyone knows what happened. So um, I should have made, I should have made it worth it. There was a good group of core young blokes that had played together for a few years in that footy side too, and, and a lot of you had had success together as juniors. Yeah, I think, you know, even this, their squad now, that a lot of us come through the SG ball, how Matt's transitioning to 20s um, into reserve grade, and a lot of them kicked on to first grade. Um, I think it was like from our premiership side, I think there was 11 or 12 players from that wow. 17 grand final day that have played first grade, so... Um, and, you know they're the, they're the core players. They're the they're the big dogs now. The side, so um, you know it was a good setup the way they done it through Penrith. You know, developed everyone young and um, brought everyone through and used local talent. A debut to remember. A massive thirty five points to twelve win and a sin binning. Thanks for dropping in, my man. We'll <laughs> chat again soon. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. You don't want to hear me singing, but happy birthday, Moses <laughs> Mboy. How many today? 28 today, Andy. Thank you very much. Um, you know, I feel nothing, not, not a day over 22, so I, lo- I love that shit. Now, for our <laughs> listeners on Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the superstars today, they're idols and heroes to many kids, but they too had idols 
and heroes when they were growing up. Moses, who was your team? Who were your heroes as a young fella? I never followed a team, but I'll tell you what, I followed Jonathan Thurston like a hawk. He, wow. um, he was, uh, he, and, um, you know, I've been so lucky because I've got to spend a lot of time with him in, um, in origin camps and things like that. But as far as team goes, you know, I, I didn't really follow a certain team. I'd obviously keep an eye on the Cowboys because the John O was playing. Yep. But other than that, I was, um, you know, I'd, I'd follow the Roosters because, uh, because, uh, Friendy, because Jake Friend was playing and yep. he's, a, he's a good mate of mine growing up and, um, you know, done a lot for my career. So I'd always just follow, follow him around and, you know, uh, follow and see how the chooks were going. Role model. Is an NRL player a role model? Is that something that, that fits comfortably with you? Because it doesn't, it doesn't suit everyone and, and not every professional athlete is probably a role model. But the reality is there is thousands, tens of thousands of kids that look up to you as their role model because you're their favourite player. I think it's an easy one to be honest. I think yeah, we're, we're all role models, and um, we're, we're all role models. And, and and you you only have to go as far as a junior league game, and you and you go out there with your jersey on, and you see how many kids come up to the fence and have, want to have a yarn, and and want to and every every time you go, some kid goes, "Can we have a running race?" Is that right? Running race. <laughs> So you're a role model because they, you know, these kids they look up to you. They want to be you. They, and I'll tell you in particular Queensland. When you go to Queensland, yeah. I don't know what it is, but kids up there just love footy. Yeah. Everyone loves footy up there, but kids in particular they just love footy. And you, you, I've been lucky enough to go on these promos with um with the Queensland Origin team, and you go out to these remote country towns mm. and things like that, and. And you're 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 beyond a role model. You're like a god. Yeah. And if you go with blokes like Jonathan Thurston, and you imagine blokes like Greg Inglis going out to these even even these indigenous communities, you're you're royal royalty, absolute royalty. So he, that's 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 beyond role model. Are you following us on social media? I hope so. That way you get your say on topics of the week, which is starting next week. Upcoming guests, latest news, debates and theories, and we'll keep you updated on who and what is coming up on the podcast, plus exclusive offers and free shit too. Our social media handle again. Now, a lot of thought has gone into this. I trusted the bride with this. We can be found at the Andy Raymond. That's it. The Andy Raymond on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Griffin Air Conditioning, the best of the best, servicing the Sydney metro area for both domestic and commercial air conditioning installations and maintenance. They've got it all. And Galaxy Finance, for all your financial needs, concerns or questions. If you've got a worry, any issues or just need some clarity, call them now. Both companies are offering specials for unfiltered listeners. Contact them, tell them you heard about them on the Unfiltered Podcast. They will sort you 100%. Their contact details are on our website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Check them out there with direct links. They're the best and the best at what they do, and they're here to look after unfiltered listeners. If you'd like to be part of the Unfiltered team, get in touch. Go to the website, andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Hit the sponsorship tab. We've got several different levels of sponsorship that cater to all levels of business and budget. Get in touch. We'd love to hear from you.
The Legends series, I love it. I hope you do too. You know, at any time, you can go back and listen to a Legends series interview. Actually, any of our podcasts. All of them are timeless. So it actually doesn't matter when you listen to them. And even though you may not have heard them when they first came out, they're timeless. They won't date and they will make sense. They're ready for you for when you're ready. This week on the Legends series, Legends, the great Robbie Farrer with some cracking stories, including this one about his infamous fight at Leichhardt Over with Anthony Watts. It's it's funny now. Uh, that happened in 2009, I think, 12 years ago. And, mate, if I get stopped on the street 10 times, I think six or seven times it'll people it'll be about that fight. People wow. just, yeah, people just love it for some reason. Um, they love that moment. Whether I think it's because everyone's, no one sort of expected it from me. Mm. Um yeah, I was. I'd never had that sort of reputation, or you know, I was always that you know, sort of attacking sort of player. But um, there were always question marks over my toughness or my defence and things like that. And um, yeah, I just remember he he sort he sort of king hit me in a scrum at Leichhardt. Didn't know who it was until I saw the replay up on the screen, and um, he didn't get sent to the bin. I said to Shane Hayne that day, I said, "Mate, if you don't do something about it, I will." And we got another scrum um, the next set. We dropped the ball and. Um, and he was just, he was standing at the scrum laughing at me. And I said, I said, I'm going to, I told him straight, I said, I'm going to bash you. And he said, oh, he goes, what are you going to do? Your, your wog C. And I said, oh, all right. And then Shane Hayne could hear us chirping and, and Shane Hayne said, mate, he goes, boys, just keep it short and sweet in terms of the scrum. And I said, mate, don't worry. I will. So I, I packed in and Gibbo, Gibbo was standing there with me. I think him and John Scandalis were our front rowers mm-hmm. and, Gibbo could hear us going at him and Gibbo said, mate, do you want me to build him? I said, no, no. I said, he's mine. I said, you just you just look after their front rowers, make sure they don't get involved and pack the scrum, mate. And I remember I just threw a, a fury of uppercuts. I was, I was filthy, you know, I was, I was filthy. That, and I think I think it had to be done. Yeah. Um, I think I had to stand up for myself. And Agreed. We were down. We were losing that day. Um, after that happened, we came back, ended up winning by 30 points, and, and Royce Simmons gave me our man of the match after the game just for that moment. He said, mate, he said, if you didn't hit him, if you didn't hit him in that scrum, he said, you wouldn't have been worth your grain of salt. So um, and it's funny. Everyone still talks about it. When your reputation's enhanced in 15 seconds of a legal play, but the cracking part of the story that everyone neglects, you also had Carl Webb to look out for in their front row. So, you, you know, you needed Scandalis and Gibbs to do their job. Yeah, I think Carl Webb, because I've watched it back, and I thought he was in the front row, but I'm, I think he was in the second row, Carl Webb. He packed in the second row. So I think they had they had um, Steve Southern and, um, oh, geez, I can't remember who the other front row, the other front row was. Okay. But, um, but Steve Southern's a red nut too, and they can throw him as well. So... So yeah, I was a bit, I was a bit worried about them. I just said, mate, you boys look after them, and I got him. So yeah, it was good. If you missed it, let's wind the clock all the way back to episodes fifteen and sixteen. An awesome chat with the one and only Anthony Minicello. Where's the golden boot now, mate? Well, that's a funny story. It's hilarious. So when they actually gave it to me over in England, it said two thousand and four on it. It was actually the wrong plate on it. Oh, no. So. Um, I come back to the Roosters, and I don't know how it got into the hands of Joel Monaghan, and oh. his old man has it at his at his place, right? So his old man's got the 2004 Golden Boot winner, Anthony oh. Manchello, on his mantelpiece, 
And I, and, and it's, it's funny that I said I only approached the NRL in like 2013 or 14 and said, oh, this is what's happened. And they said, oh, we'll have to do a, do you a new one. I said, yeah, okay, great. So I gave them the boot. They gold played it, and and they and to be honest, I still haven't picked it up. I've got to go in the NRL and get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too good. Yeah. Mate, a, a lot of uh, positives, a lot of celebrations. There were tough times. At the absolute top of your game, 2006 arrived. In March 26, you hurt your back for the first time. What do you recall of the game and the incident against Canberra? Um, well, 2006, so it wasn't, wasn't, it wasn't a you know, it wasn't a, a proper incident. So, or I'll tell you what happened in pre-season 2006, mid-gen, I had a training camp down the South Coast and we're in a scrimmage against our reserve grade team and I just hear it, like a little click in my back and my back goes in a spasm and I just sort of walk off the field and went, Rick, oh, I don't know, something's happening. He goes, yeah, yeah, take a rest. I sat down and then I just experienced some nerve pain down my left leg and I just sort of had to lay down and try and get some relief yeah. And from that, my back went in the spasm and I just couldn't really move and I couldn't drive home. So I got Finchy to drive my car back um, back into the east when we finished our camp. It was the last day of camp. And I couldn't really move for two weeks. It was that's how sore it was. So it took two weeks wow. to really start. The pain started to ease. But, I, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, you know, I've had a couple of little flare ups before. I, you know, in 2004 and five, I had quarter zones in my lower back. I mm. just thought. You know, it's not a flare up my lower back. You'll be fine. And this one did take longer than usual, but I rehabbed it and I got back for round one. And I play as I play round one, round two, round three, into round six. I this nerve pain was constantly there, and every time I would be at home and I'm just relaxing and I'd go to bend over or go to put my shoes on, it was start to dig in a little bit more. But every time I'd warm up and go and train and play, the pain would fade away. Every time I warm down, it'll increase ever so slightly. And I, got, I did get picked for the Anzac Day test that game. And yep. Tony Abe was a physio and he went, you know, do all the shoulder testing, bend down, touch your toes. I was bending down and touching my knees before that sharp pain was digging my left leg. Wow. And I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll go back up because I didn't want to, you know, have it hurt me anymore. Yeah. And he said, no, go down and touch your toes. And I said, oh, I can't. I can only go down and touch my knees before that pain digs in. And he started asking questions and I was explaining what I was feeling. And he went, mate, that doesn't sound right. He sort of he ruled me out of that game, which I wasn't happy about, but he sent me to a specialist and I was up at St. Vincent's and uh, they said I had a ruptured disc in my L5-S1, lowest disc in your back. And um, it was probably one of the first back operations at the time. They said, you need a back op, a laminectomy, this is what happens. Uh, we scrape the disc away from the sciatic nerve, which is permanently hitting. That's the pain you're experiencing down your left leg. And, and but to this point, I played, I think, more games than anyone in the three-year period. So I thought to myself, you know what, I'll go in, have this operation, have a rest this yep. year and come back bigger and better in 2007. So that was my whole thought pattern around it. And, I, and after the operation, the nerve pain immediately subsided. And, you know, again, I was – running within six weeks and pushing my training but i still hadn't changed anything in my lifestyle you know i was eating whatever i wanted yep. i was um you know prescription medication anti-inflammatories morning and night because i thought they were helping me yep. um you know and yeah it was the the lifestyle wasn't um wasn't that good yeah uh so i come come back and prepared for the 2007 season 
and I played the first 10 games. But you know, I've got scar tissue in my back now that's always hurting. So I was doing too many inflammatories in the morning and night, morning and night, daily, every single day. Um, you know, I, I, can't, I play game one of Origin. I'm in camp for game two and we're out at uh, Coogee. It's three days out before the game. We're catching the team bus after breakfast to head out to stay at the Novotel at Homebush. Mm-hmm. I literally just roll out of bed to put my socks on. Bang, a click again in my lower back. And this time I had severe nerve pain down my right leg, oh. the opposite leg. And my back goes in a spasm. I lay on the floor and literally that's where I stay. <laughs> Couldn't get up and the bus sails off and I get ruled out of that game. A truly amazing interview with an amazing bloke. That's episodes 15 and 16 of Andy Raymond Unfiltered, Anthony Minicello. Imagine being coached by Trent Robinson, Michael Maguire, Craig Bellamy and Ivan Cleary in successive years. You're going to get a bloody good grounding. This guy has, Paul Momorowski. All coaches, are they the same or do they have their differences, mate? No, they all have their differences and their overlapping similarities, I guess you can call it. Yep. Um, it's been a great experience these last few years getting coached by all those names that you just said. Um, but, yeah, they all ha- definitely have their differences, but especially the environment. When you're talking about a coach, you're not talking about a personal trainer where it's one-on-one. Yep. Just the, the whole environment can change and the, the slot, sole differences in how – teams do things so it's been great to get an education in all of them and pick one I needed to from from every coach and every sort of environment are you like that are you a student of the game that's that's just picked a little bit up both positive and negative from all four of the coaches and it sort of molds you as a player yeah definitely I, um, I like to think I'm a little bit of a student of the game yeah. um but especially in sort of your own development how you prepare and yep it, coaches have their different thoughts and philosophies but the things I've picked up from my time at the Roosters when I was younger to then be able to bring that to learn a few things up match. And obviously going down to Melbourne and now at Penrith, there are things that are similar, but there's tools that I've learned from all these clubs and all these coaches that I remember. And I guess whenever you need something that you, you can draw on those experiences, I guess if you're doing the same thing and it's at the same place for a long time, you might not be exposed to certain things. And yep. that's the positive of doing what I've done, I guess is, you get exposed to a few different situations, scenarios, and probably better equipped to handle them. But that's just the way I look at it, and I've definitely done that. A lot of guys have said to me, you know, game day and and moves and shapes can be same same from club to club. A lot of it's in the preparation and what you learn as a bloke on approaching game day. Is there some merit in that? Oh, definitely. I think um, in terms of individual performance – you need to find out what works for you. And that's yep. what I've learned. You learn over the years, like you don't just sort of roll in on game day and expect to put the performance in. Yep. There's, you need to find your own routine and own way. But in terms of team performance, every team might run a block shape or a, you might look at team shapes and look at, looks the same, but there's a little detail in it. Yeah. That makes a difference in how that play is executed. There's little, like you look at a team like, I guess, South, who when you got Latrell and Cody Walker at the back of those shapes, said they look like they could score against any team. They um they've got those combinations and those their timing right and and you look at another team that would run the same shape and sometimes they're just a little bit more off, a little bit off. And there's being at a few different teams that the preparation and the 
combinations and the timing and the detail around those things are what separates a team. Love talking tactics and would sit here all day with you talking footy tactics. I am the footy nerd. You would end up taking over this whole podcast and it would be called <laughs> Paul Momorowski Unfiltered. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate it. You're a legend. No worries. Thank you. It's a strange game, a fucking strange game, played by some equally strange dude. One of the strangest (laughs) stories dates back to round nine, 2006. South Sydney versus Melbourne Storm at ANZ Stadium. Now, midway through the second half, with the Storm leading 20 to 6, two of the big fellas decided to throw hands. It was a fight between Ryan Hoffman and Jamin Lowe. Well, Big Jamin joins us now. It's not the fight that's the cool part of this story, but five years later, he'd actually signed with the Melbourne Storm. Hoffy was playing overseas that year, but he returned in 2012. You are now teammates. That's gold. <laughs> it was, it was uh, I wouldn't say it was awkward, but we both sort of knew yeah. that, that it had happened and the rest of it. So it, it was a bit of a... Hey, you remember 06? And it's like, yeah, yeah, and a nod, and 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 yeah, that that uh that sort of a awkward awkwardness, awkwardness has gone straight away, and it's just yeah, it just becomes funny and a bit of bit of a joke. And depending on who was copping shit that week from the rest of the boys, was oh, Hoffy give it to you, or it was vice versa after that. I was just gonna say that, mate. You and Hoffy, I would imagine being pros and being you know knockabouts would have moved on really quickly. But it's the teammates that sledge and like to, you know, create an issue. Mate, the only person that had, or the person that had the biggest issue was Croc. Because Croc's come running in and Mick Crocker being Mick Crocker was the one that got 10. He didn't even throw a punch. That's right. He came in and pulled, pulled, sort of grabbed me and pulled me away and a few of the South boys grabbed Hoffy or whatever. But then God knows how, even looking back at it now, Yeah. yeah, Croc was the only one that sort of got, got 10 but it don't worry every old boys weekend he reminds me of that that you know <laughs> he got 10 for for a fight that well I threw the first punch and and Hoffy or Hoffy threw the ball at me and I sort of push and shove and the other person I'll blame for it too would be Ben Walker Ben Walker was in my ear when we were sort of jersey grabbing and doing yeah. the tough talk and all the rest of it and I had Benny in my ear going Fucking hit him, low. We fucking hit him, low. <laughs> it was like the devil on the shoulder, Andy, just in my ear yes. saying, go on, Lowy, let one go, let one go. So I was like, uh, you know, I think they were beating us pretty convincingly. Oh, I might have been close. I can't remember yeah. actually, but, yeah. I thought, oh, fuck it, let's do it. So, Mate, a really special year, 2012. It'll be your last year in the NRL and your last game as a grand final and a premiership ring. That is enormous. Yeah, mate, it was it was a very very special day. Um, you know, the the whole week actually, the whole week leading up to it was really special. Obviously, because you know it's going to be your last game, and to experience something like that, like the grand final breakfast, you know, the the fan days yeah. and all the rest of it. You know, we had a couple thousand people come watch our last run before we come up to Sydney. Um, the footy show, you know, that night, and just I just lapped it up. But post game, mate, because it was my last one too. Like, obviously, pumped, you know that we won and was, you know, so, so special. But once you sort of have had a few drinks and and the dust sort of settles a little bit, I remember getting back to Melbourne and, and 
you know, sort of the 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 part hits you where you're like, shit, you know, like I'm I'm done now. This that, is it. You know, it. I've got to go and actually work for a living, and and you know, what's life going to be like, and all the rest of those sort of things hit you. So the actual Mad Monday after the grand final was a bit of a Debbie Downer for me. I was yeah. like, I remember bumping into Frankie at the bar when we were, you know, celebrating and that on Mad Monday, and he was asking about because I was going to the mines at the time. And yep. I remember talking to Frankie about, you know moving on and blah, 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 and this and that and started getting a little bit emotional. I had to sort of walk away from him because I, I felt, you know, those emotions sort of coming up, didn't sort of want to start crying in front of Frankie. It looked yeah. a bit weird, but, yeah, you know, it, it was. That's Frank Panisi, isn't it? Frank Panisi, the football manager, yeah. So Frankie and I had, had you know, went, we obviously they, they were trying to get some bargain buys and, and, and I was actually looking to go into the mines and obviously they didn't have much money, but in talking to Frank, I just said to Frank, you know, like I've got, kids and a missus and and if if you know if this is all that the money's going to be I, I i can't do it mate sort yeah. of thing you know like you know i've yeah. got responsibilities and he he was so good mate just during that whole period i wasn't playing games with them i'd done that at clubs and shit with managers and that i wasn't i was just looking for an opportunity to maybe finish on my terms rather than being told to retire yeah. sort of thing so and frank was so good during that period so yeah, oh frankie a lot it's the fairy tale finish mate not many Get to do it, finish with a, a GF. No, that's it, mate. It was, um, yeah, and it wasn't like after the grand final, I thought, well, that's it, I'll, I'll retire. I, I decided sort of mid year. So yeah. I knew for, you know, I knew that, you know, if this was going to be the grand final I played in, if, you know, it was going to be my only one because I wasn't, wasn't going to sort of be doing it again. So, um, but I was quite com- confident going into the game. I, I I thought that we would win. Like, I know in hindsight we did, but I, I thought going in, we were red hot. Red hot chance, so um, the nerves weren't too bad. It was um, sort of when you run out and the, and the atmosphere hits you, you sort of get a bit nervous. But yeah, got the result at the end of the day, mate. So great story, great finish, great career, and a place in the history books. I love that yarn. Jamin and Ryan laugh about it nowadays. What a team they played into. Enjoy your footy on the weekend. Stick out this lockdown punishment. I really am. Thinking of you all, wherever you may be listening to this, reach out for a chat if you're struggling. If you've got a mate who you reckon may be doing it tough, pick up the phone, say g'day. It can and does make a difference. Hey, don't forget to leave that review when you're done listening to this. If you leave a review, it's my shout at the bar. If you don't, it's your shout, and we're on it big time. Choice is yours. Have a cracking week, legends. Catch you next time. Next time.